This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr.org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson. And produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 776 for release on Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Our first program of the new year. And today on WaveScan, it's Bermuda, Part 3. We'll look at the medium wave scene there. We'll have the final part of our interview with Marcel Roberts from Holland. And we've got our DX report from Yuki Kutsuji in Tokyo. Last week here in WaveScan, we presented the story of shortwave broadcasting from the islands of Bermuda in the Atlantic Ocean. Today we conclude the Bermuda story with a panoramic view of their medium wave stations, all five of them. Here's Ray Robinson at The Voice of Hope. Thanks, Jeff. The first medium wave broadcasting station on the island of Bermuda was installed in a shop on Front Street in the capital city, Hamilton. This station was inaugurated in February 1930, and it was owned and operated by Thomas J. Watson under the call sign TJW, the owner's initials. The station was thus located in a commercial enterprise, but we'd suggest it was probably an amateur radio station, maybe even unlicensed back then, in use for the broadcast of radio programming. Nine years later, with trouble foreboding in continental Europe, the second radio broadcasting station was established in the British colony of Bermuda. This station, the first official government broadcasting service, was launched in September of the decisive year 1939 from a studio installed in the Walker Arcade in Hamilton. The call sign for this facility is listed as ZAF3, though little else is known today about this station. It seems that ZAF3 must have been a quite small operation with low power and a limited coverage area. It was in April 1941 that work commenced in Bermuda on the construction of several bases for use by all branches of the American Armed Services. Two years later, in September 1943, the government radio station ZAF3 began to broadcast AFRS programming for the benefit of the many US service personnel who'd been posted to the island. However, about a year later, the government station was closed in anticipation of the opening of an American broadcasting station. This new American radio station in Bermuda was indeed launched on July 24, 1944, with locally made equipment under the callsign WXLQ. This callsign, WXLQ, was a regular overseas callsign in the sequences issued by AFRS, the American Forces Radio Service. 
This new AFRS facility was installed on the summit of Coral Knob Hill at Camp Bell on the Kindley Air Force Base, which had been established on Longbird Island at the extreme eastern end of Bermuda two or three years earlier. These days, that's the location of Bermuda's International Airport. Station WXLQ operated with a power of just 50 watts on 1240 kHz, and it took much of its programming from an off-air relay of the CBS shortwave station at Wayne, New Jersey. This program relay was usually received from the 50 kilowatt transmitter WOOW on 11870 kHz. The AFRS station in Bermuda, WXLQ, was finally closed in May 1946, at the end of two years of broadcast service. However, the population of Bermuda was not left without a local radio station. Earlier that same year, 1946, the government had formed the Bermuda Broadcasting Company, sometimes euphemistically referred to as the BBC, although nothing to do with the organisation in London. And they constructed a new station, ZBM. This was launched on May 12, 1946, right after the closure of WXLQ. Interestingly, ZBM operated on 1235 kHz, almost the same channel as the previous American station, though the power output was higher, at 250 watts. Then in 1953, a second station, ZBM2, was introduced on 1340 kHz. The original station was redesignated ZBM1, and the frequency was adjusted to 1230 kHz. In the 1970s, ZBM1 used the tagline Your Family Station and ZBM2 was The Pace Setter. In 1962, a second organisation, Capital Broadcasting Company Limited, began operating a station with the call letters ZFB on 960 kHz AM. Also in 1962, FM broadcasting was introduced with ZBM-FM on 89.1 MHz and in 1971, ZFB-FM at 94.9 MHz. During the 1960s, some of the DJs on the ZBM stations would have been well known to British radio listeners. Duncan Johnson of Radio London got his start in Bermuda under his real name of Gerald Clements. Mike Lennox, also of Radio London, similarly got his start on ZBM using his real name of Michael Graham. Tony Monson was heard on ZBM before moving to Radio 355. Jerry King of Britain Radio and Caroline North was announcer Fred Riley. And Willie Walker, after Radio London closed, returned to Bermuda and was heard again on ZBM Radio and TV from 1968 to 1971. In the summer of 1980, a third broadcasting organisation, St George's Broadcasting Company Limited, which was subsequently renamed DeFontes Broadcasting Company Limited, began operating another medium wave station on 1450 kHz using the call sign VSB1. Initially, they relayed Transtar Country out of Colorado, but later switched to a gold format. Here's an air check from 2005. From BSB Radio News, you're now up to date. Good morning, everyone. I'm Chris Large. Bermuda weather time coming up to 7.30. And thank you, Chris. High pressure will bring mainly sunny and dry conditions today and tomorrow. As the weekend approaches, the high will retreat eastwards, allowing showers ahead of a cold front to reach the Bermuda area. Low tide, 9.34 this morning. High tide at 3.57 this afternoon. It is looking like mostly sunny with a temperature at 77 degrees in Hamilton, humidity 81%, pressure 30.25 inches and steady, 
and the winds are from the east at 5 knots with the sea surface temperature at 81 degrees. And that's news and weather in depth, the presentation of Lindo's Butterfield Bank, Bermuda College, and Cable and Wireless. 1450 AM Gold, the music you remember. And the music you can sing along with, that's right. You gotta know the lyrics to enjoy a tune, don't you think? I think so. And it is right now, 7.31, coming up at quarter two, it's News Brief with Chris. In 1984, the same company added VSB2 on 1280 kHz with an adult contemporary music format, and in 1986, VSB3 on 1160 kHz with tourist information and special event programming. VSB2 was later leased to the Bible Broadcasting Network, BBN, out of Nashville, Tennessee, and VSB3 relayed the BBC World Service from London with local sponsorship. Here's a clip of VSB3 with a local ID just before the top of an hour, recorded in 2001. VSB 1160 AM radio broadcasts the BBC World Service from London. This is London. Here's the latest UK and international news, music and book reviews, science and magazine programs, comedy shows, music specials, out there crooks letter from America, and more. There is only one BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Hear it on VSB 1160 AM radio, your special event station in Bermuda. Brought to you by the Department of Cultural Affairs within the Ministry of Development, Opportunity and Government Services. In 1982, there was a merger of the first two broadcasting companies which continued under the name of the Bermuda Broadcasting Company Limited. The previous capital station, ZFB1 on 960, moved to the ZBM1 frequency 1230, simply as ZFB. And ZBM1 itself moved to the previous ZBM2 frequency of 1340, now just as ZBM. Programming on AM and FM was split, with the music channels then on FM only. ZFB on 1230 adopted the tagline Spirit AM as a Christian community station, whilst ZBM on 1340 switched to a news talk format. Here's a clip of ZBM also from 2001. ZBM Radio, 1340. Good morning, everyone. I'm Robin Simmons with the Bermuda Broadcasting News, brought to you by Autopilot, H&E Smith, Meyer Travel Agency, Air Care Limited and Bermuda Air Conditioning. Weather-wise this morning, it's partly cloudy and it's 79 degrees in Bermuda. The humidity is at 86% and the barometer is at 30.08 inches. The bar is setting. Winds this morning are from the southwest at 5 knots. And that's the new sports and weather. A presentation this morning of Arnold Piles, H. Hanning Smith, Meyer Travel, Air Care Limited and Bermuda Air Conditioning. The time is 8.24. You're listening to 1340 Radio, ZBM. So from the mid-80s to around 2010, there were five medium wave stations operating in Bermuda, all at one kilowatt, which is all that was necessary to cover this compact, low-lying nation of just 20 square miles. Three had call signs beginning with the letter V, and two with the letter Z. To recap, there was ZBM on 1340 with News and Talk Radio, ZFB on 1230 with Spirit AM, VSB1 on 1450, first with a country format and then Golden Oldies, VSB2 on 1280 with the Bible Broadcasting Network, and VSB3 on 1160, relaying the BBC World Service from London. 
ZBM is, in fact, the oldest call sign still in use in Bermuda. It was used for the AM station since 1953, for the FM station since 1962, and also since 1958 for the first Bermudian TV station. But with the AM antenna in need of repair in 2010, Bermuda Broadcasting opted instead simply to drop the AM channels and operate solely on FM. The World Radio TV Handbook reported their medium wave frequencies as inactive in 2012, but delisted them after that. Kenny DeFontes, the owner of DeFontes Broadcasting, retired in 2014, and all his stations ceased operating at the end of September 2015. VSB1, with the gold format on 1450, was restarted briefly late in 2015, but then it went dark again. VSB2, with the relay of Bible Broadcasting on 1280, was restarted with sponsorship from a local church group and was verified by international radio monitors in both 2017 and 2018. VSB3, with the relay of the BBC World Service, had actually closed in May 2015 due to transmitter maintenance issues and loss of the local sponsorship. It did reappear briefly in 2016, but then also went dark. The last year that any of the medium wave stations in Bermuda were heard was in 2018, and none of them are listed in the World Radio TV Handbook after 2018 either. So it appears the last one to be switched off was the Bible Broadcasting Network, VSB2, on 1280. These days there are seven radio stations broadcasting in Bermuda, all on FM, serving a population of just 64,000 people, though somewhere around 100,000 tourists also visit the islands each year. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks, Ray. Next week, Ray will be taking a look at early wireless in New Zealand, even before Marconi's experiments in Europe. Last week, we spoke with Marcel Romerts from Belgium and the Netherlands about the state of shortwave listening and broadcasting in Europe. Today, I just want to finish that interview where we left off last week. Marcel had mentioned that Alfredo Cotroneo from the Italian Radio Relay Service, which broadcasts this program, WaveScan, suggested the creation of a committee of the European DX Council to come up with ideas on how to interest young people in shortwave listening. So I, I, I think perhaps um, the importance of radio will grow again, and at least people who are curious uh, and people who are open-minded, uh, they, they find perhaps even more on uh, uh, on radio and on international radio, and uh, and easier than uh, trying to find your way through the internet, where mm. honestly you don't know. Uh, who sponsors what <laughs> and and who tries to influence who uh, I think yeah I, I'm getting more and more critical about uh, about internet yeah. uh, those of us who are uh, in our say 50s 60s 70s uh, grew up uh, during the Cold War when it was a very interesting time to listen to shortwave and almost every country in Europe had a, a shortwave station right uh, and and that has certainly changed <laughs> yes I mean uh, uh, of course, let's say times have changed, and the way how how we communicate internationally has uh, has changed. But I think, I mean, in the recent years, and probably in the years to come, we are learning our lesson. We we will learn our lessons on uh, having access to uh, to information, and and how do you get access, and how do you find your information, and yeah, I, I think there are opportunities there, and Alfredo is right. Uh, that, that we need to try 
to uh, to engage and try to better understand and try try to reach out uh, perhaps for uh, uh, yeah for new groups of listeners uh, so you're going to be on this uh, new committee yes <laughs> <laughs> very good well uh, you've got your work cut out for you uh, good luck with that <laughs> thanks a lot Marcel for being with us today okay thank you Jeff that was Marcel Rommert speaking to us about how to get young people interested in shortwave radio and how shortwave may be even more important in today's world and in the near future. Right now, let's go to Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo with her DX report. Happy New Year and welcome to the DX report of the month from Japan Shortwave Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Radio Vanuatu was heard on 9960 kHz on December 2nd from 0650 to the sign-off at 0658 UTC in Vizlama. SIO rating was 252. Radio Drama was broadcast until 0658, then guitar music and ID were aired. Adventist World Radio via Torinkumali, Sri Lanka was heard on 12040 kHz on November 30th, from the sign-on at 2200 to the sign-off at 2229 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353, then down to 252. Opening music and ID were on the air, then pop music and the sermon by a male presenter continued. Voice of Turkey was received on 9505 kHz on December 2nd from 1435 to the sign-off at 1454 UTC in Kazakh. SIO rating was 343. Talk and the Turkish song were broadcast. Radio Romania International was heard on 17560 kHz on December 3rd from 0758 with interval signal to 0820 UTC in Romanian. SIO rating was 353. ID was given at 0800. The news was aired. Local pop music was played at 08.15. This transmission was Sundays only. World Christian Broadcasting via Mahajanga, Madagascar, was heard on 11965 kHz on December 2nd from 2043 to the sign-off at 2059 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. African Pathways Radio was on the air followed by talk program by a male announcer. ID was given at 20.55. TWR Africa via Manzini Eswatini was received on 11880 kHz on November 25th from 14.58 to the sign-off at 15.30 UTC in Somali. SIO rating was 353. ID in English was given at 14.58 and a jingle and ID were heard at 1500, then talk program by a female announcer, and Afro-pop music followed after that. Closing announcement was given at 1529. BBC World Service via Ascension was heard on 15400 kHz on November 30th, from the sign-on at 0700 to the sign-off at 0759 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. World News was broadcast, followed by News Days at 07.06, News at 07.30, and the second part of News Day at 07.33.
KNLS from Anchor Point, USA, was heard on 9760 kilohertz on December 3rd from 1330 to the sign off at 1400 UTC in Korean. SIO rating was 353. Talk program and hymn were aired. ID was given at 1359. Radio Voz Missionaria from Camboriú, Brazil, was heard on 9665 kilohertz on November 26 from 0731 to 0755 UTC in Portuguese. SIO rating was 332. Local pop music and talk program were on the air. Jingo was played at 0736. Finally, Japan Shotab Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WebCM program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691 Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, and Mr. Kazuaki Oikawa for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Shotab Club. Thank you, Yukiko, for your first report for 2024. Finally, today, the 2024 World Radio TV Handbook is now out. Ray Robinson received his copy, and here are his thoughts. On the Thursday before Christmas, December the 21st, my copy of the 2024 edition of the World Radio TV Handbook that I had pre ordered back in September was duly delivered by our mailman. I eagerly opened the package to see what improvements had been made this year, and I was not disappointed. This new edition is organised in the same familiar way, but the publishers have made a number of improvements compared to last year. The font style and size used in the reference sections this year is almost the same as it was in the 2022 edition, although not identical. And for the feature articles at the front, the font size is actually larger than in the reference sections, and it's very easy and pleasant to read. This year's volume runs to 816 pages, the first 64 of which are on glossy paper. So, what about the actual content? Well, the feature pages certainly don't disappoint either. Over 300 of the WRTH's contributors are listed on a Hall of Fame page, but two of them in particular are profiled, including Glenn Hauser, with whom many listeners will be familiar. There are some interesting hardware reviews, along with equipment guide prices in dollars, pounds, and euros, and a helpful comparative list of all major shortwave receivers and SDRs currently on the market in Europe and North America. It's a pity that no DRM receivers were included, and I wonder what's available in Asian markets, particularly in India and China, where DRM technology is now widely used. Radio broadcasting in two countries is profiled Mexico and Nauru, and Dan Robinson has contributed a couple of articles, one reviewing the current global shortwave situation, and the other showcasing his rather eclectic collection of premium shortwave receivers. 
The main photo accompanying that article is of his Eddystone 830-7, which immediately had me drooling. <laughs> I remember seeing banks of those receivers being used at BBC monitoring. There was a time when I'd have given my right arm for one. There are 11 pages of maps in colour showing the locations of major transmitting sites, although I found several of them to contain inaccuracies. The North American one, for example, for some strange reason, omits completely Okeechobee, Florida, certainly the largest commercial shortwave site on the continent. More than half the handbook, 470 pages, is devoted to the national radio section. In this section, the presentation of material for most countries follows the pattern of FM stations or networks listed first, followed by medium wave and finally domestic shortwave, if any. However, this isn't consistent. For a few countries, the medium wave frequencies are listed first, then shortwave, and finally the FMs. For others, such as Bolivia, only medium wave frequencies are listed, followed by a statement that says, quote, a large number of radio stations broadcast on FM. A list would go beyond the capacity of the printed World Radio TV handbook. The radio stations can be found in the WRTH web app, unquote. I noticed a number of other inconsistencies, errors or omissions in this section. For instance, at the top of the United Kingdom entry, there's a heading of medium wave, immediately beneath which are listed the four transmitters on 198 kHz, not medium wave. <laughs> also, many commercial and independent stations don't have websites listed or any indication as to where their web streams might be found. The international radio section is now just a small sliver of the handbook, occupying only 41 pages, which I think is a reflection of the sad state of global interest, or lack thereof, in reaching foreign audiences by radio. The lists of medium-wave frequencies grouped by continent and then short-wave frequencies globally continue to be as comprehensive as ever, and the few stations I spot-checked seem to have accurate information. The shortwave section, which includes both domestic and international stations, has been greatly expanded. Up until last year, the layout used two major columns per page. But this year, there's now a new single-column format in which, for each frequency, the times of operation, language, target area and days of the week have been added. However, like last year, the lists of international broadcasts in English, French, German, Portuguese and Spanish have all been deleted, as sadly has the list of DRM international broadcasts. But also like last year, the medium wave section now again includes full lists of all North American stations, even those operating with just 5 watts. How the accuracy of the information in the handbook compares to online sources, such as those at shortwavedb.org, remains to be seen, but the WRTH publishers do offer an online version of the handbook for only an additional $10, £10 or €10, Euros, which they say will be updated on a daily basis. Purchase of the online version only, without a hard copy handbook, is $25. Thanks, Ray. You can order the WRTH at radiodatacenter.net or amazon.com. The price is around 50 US dollars. And to end today's edition of Wavescan, it's The Bahamian 12 Days of Christmas by Daniel Francis. Thanks for listening to Wavescan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. 
Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson. Next week, New Zealand will look at the early wireless scene there before Marconi. We'll have more from the NASB 2023 meeting and our DX report from the Philippines. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to The Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is bible at awr.org. Or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. 